Mateus, let's just take a minute to talk about our sponsor, Surfshark. Um, this weekend, I'm going to Oslo. And obviously, on my way there, I'm going to be using all sorts of different public Wi-Fi. And I, I think these guys are definitely going to be the best way to keep my data safe whilst I'm traveling. Oh, yeah, absolutely. When you're switching between public Wi-Fi like that uh, on a journey all the way to Norway, you definitely want to be protected by a good service like Surfshark. Yeah, absolutely. It's not, I think most people don't realize that when you're on public Wi-Fi, there are ways that people can get into, into your data. And it's not just the things maybe you don't want people to see. It's the, uh, it's the other stuff that they can take and then sell on or abuse. So you really need to keep yourself safe when, when on public data. Not just public as well. This is going to keep you safe on your home Wi-Fi. It's going to keep your data safe wherever you are. And I think that's definitely important. I think it is. I think it's very important to keep yourself safe. Um, not just from, you know, people who could have nefarious uh, intent and all that stuff, but also simply just to make sure that you're not being tracked by a bunch of uh, people who are trying to sell you ads and sell you all kinds of stuff all the time. Like maybe maybe you don't want that. Exactly. So you're gonna, you get a limited number of devices through your subscription you get a 100% money-back guarantee for your first 30 days. I mean, there's very little reason not to at least give this a try. Um, so if you want to if you want to give it a go and protect your data, just pop over to surfshark.deals forward slash NMP and you're going to get 83% off plus three months free. Um, Mateus, do you, do you want to let him know, know that again? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, go over to surfshark.deals slash NMP and get 83% plus three months for free on this deal. I think that's really amazing. Exactly. It's cheaper. It's cheaper than the competitors. It literally works out at pence a day. So just pop over to surfshark.deals for slash NMP, 83% off, three months free. There's fucking no reason not to. Sorry for swearing, Shan. I apologize. Leave it in there. All right. There we go. Let's get Is out that, of here. Does, did that work? <laughs> Shadow <laughs> figure it out. Run away. Welcome to the Naughty Mythology Podcast. I'm Daniel Farron, coming to the company Horns of Odin, and not as always. Um, I'm joined by Joshua Root. Um, people have seen him many times on the show. I think this is your third or fourth appearance. Um, yeah, you're sitting in for Mateus. Unfortunately, Mateus has some family issues to deal with. Um, he's taking a week off, but you're there. I feel like you're the right man for the job for this topic. I am Mateus. Or rather, <laughs> Mateus as he should be. <laughs> there we go um josh do you want to give a quick rundown of who you are um what you do yeah i'm i'm a researcher of old norse religion uh doing my phd at the university of iceland uh, i'm also in too many music projects uh black metal band nexion uh i'm uh, collaborating on uh jonas lorenson's uh nabala uh, and I have my own super top secret project that I've been hinting at forever that's still not being unveiled. Other than oh, I'm not out there yet. I will, say, 
I will say, Lorenz, uh, Jonas and uh, Shell and some other uh, fantastic uh, artists are uh, are on are also helping with that project. So it's getting there. So that, yeah. I'm, I'm working on uh, giving lectures. Uh, if uh, if people have been following me on my social media, uh, and that's what I've been up to: researching, making music, and uh, giving lectures. That's who yeah. I am. What more do you need? Oh, I need more. I have to find some more things so I can get totally overwhelmed. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's uh, yeah, you can always do. Can always find more, more room for for the gym. You can go to the gym a bit more. I go to the gym five days a week. Sometimes exactly. Six. That's what I mean. Oh man, before we said <laughs> a little story, but before we started, I was actually I was late. Because I dropped a fucking twenty-five kilo plate on my big toe, Ooh. right, right before, um, like an hour before. Do you lift been... barefoot? Do you lift uh, in shoes, or uh, do you take your shoes off? <laughs> no, I was trying to put on the leg press, and I got a little distracted and just missed completely missed the, uh, oh, the little, little slot for it, and yeah, it uh, just <laughs> yeah landed clean on my toe. So that's why I was I was late for this. I apologize for that. <laughs> Uh, I've so, been done for. I lift barefoot, so if I drop oh, yeah. my foot, I'd be done. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a it's one of those things. I'm always one of those people that say, hey, "Just move your foot, just move your foot." Yeah. So if you drop something, just move your foot. Yeah, just move your foot <laughs> quick. Just move your foot quick, and it's not always that easy. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> you, you sometimes you, yeah, you just don't have time to do it. Um, no. So, so how are you? How how are you? How's life? Obviously. Um, if you haven't heard Josh's episodes before, please go back and listen to him. I think we've done one on Yule, one on um, cultural appropriation, and sure there was. I'm sure <laughs> there was another about one in cultural this. appropriation. It was about uh, locked hair traditions. Oh, it was, <laughs> which is not cultural appropriation. <laughs> that was that, that's it. That's that's the one. <laughs> yeah, but, and one other. I don't... I'm sure there was one more in there. I'm sure there was. I don't remember it though. It might have just been me talking about. I me. think it might have been about um, metal music and Viking culture. I think. Ah, something, something. Maybe it was early on. You don't want to listen back to those early ones. Mm, well, I mean, you can. <laughs> <laughs> They're not very good. Nah. <laughs> um, yeah. So what's going on? What's going on with you? You, I know you. You're looking at. Did you set up a new business? You're looking at setting a name up. Yeah. Is yeah. that ready to shout out? I might as well drop drop. Uh, I'm pretty. I don't know how to keep secrets, so I, I just. Kinda... Oh, if you don't want to, Shank can always cut it out after. Ah, it doesn't matter. I'm uh, I'm 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 starting up. Uh, I've already started it. T- technically, I have a, a business. I just haven't gone through all the at its uh, knowledge platform. Uh, just basically doing what I'm doing, but with a little bit more structure to it. Uh, and I've uh, I asked on social media what should i name it and got a million different responses but i liked yours the most and you you kind of helped me decide you know what people are going to there's never going to be the perfect one you have to make one come to life mm-hmm. so uh that yeah that uh, i think that somebody told me that and i can't remember who it was yeah uh, no, but it's, when true, I was, it's, it's, it's true well, with music bands too you know when you mm-hmm. name a you name your metal band you can argue all day over what should i what should we name our band yeah but, it doesn't really matter what you name it, honestly. <laughs> it's not important until you become something and then you you become the name and the name becomes something. 
exactly i mean as long as you don't name your band jizz cakes or something it was <laughs> i'm sure somebody has out there oh um, um, yeah definitely but uh <laughs> <laughs> semen toast crunch um, I mean, uh, uh, kelly's throwing it back to the last episode with the runk wax so yeah. we could uh could be that um no no, but I named it uh, Eagle on the Ash, and uh, and that's what it'll be going with. And I'll give announcements; it'll grow. So, but mm. uh, yeah, that's what I'm working on. Perfect. Just gonna educate some people. Yeah, and have fun too, because I'm. I mean, I'm also going to. I think I'm going to use it for teaching about ritual and ceremony and and doing music through it. And so it's going to be a pretty cool platform, not just classes if it develops <laughs> develop into a brand that's what you yeah want. that's what you want yeah then i can perfect <laughs> should we should we get into the northman we the, yes the let's movement. dive into the northman oh no actually before that let me let me do a little bit of housekeeping um that i was meant to do at the start of the show but forgot so i mean i, I think probably to to most people who just listen to the show and they're not on the on the Discord or in the Patreon to watch live shows. It probably seems like everything's just been relatively smooth lately. Um, but we've been we've been kind of up and down with recording times and moving stuff about and a little bit all over lately. And hopefully from now on we're going to get back to our usual schedule. But I just want to kind of say thank you to to all the patrons and all the people who've kind of stuck with us whilst we've been up and down. Obviously the patrons get an extra bonus episode every week if you want to get those just pop over to patreon forward slash naughty mythology podcast but yeah we've been a, a little all over the place we've had some stuff going on but now we're you know we're going to get back we're going to really kind of hit the road and, and and take this tasting as far as we can but i just wanted to give a shout out to people like you josh and obviously like Jonas lorenson that we that we lean on when when we need when we uh you know when things go wrong we, we call you guys up and we're like fuck come and come and help us out <laughs> I, we we appreciate it or at least i appreciate it uh it was a uh, it's, it's fun so I'm, I'm i'm glad to be here so yeah no i just wanted to get out of the way because you know we we do appreciate everyone that's stuck by as well so we've missed episodes moved episodes cancelled things you know it's it can get frustrating it gets frustrating for for me so i can only assume what it's like for other people that kind of expect these things to go out at a certain time so yeah, we, we appreciate you. Um, if you do like the show, obviously Patreon, best way to support us. Um, yeah, you get an extra episode every week. Either me, uh, me and Mateus doing a, a Q&A where you get to ask Mateus anything, or you get a story time episode where Jonas Lorenzen does a fantastic job of narrating one of the Icelandic sagas, and that's uh, a lot of fun. But yeah, we're here to talk about The Northman. Obviously, it's the new Robert Eggers film. Uh, every, it seems to be fucking everywhere at the minute. Yeah. Yeah, uh, more uh, maybe. Well, maybe it's everywhere in our circles. <laughs> I don't think it is, though. I think it's. I think they they put some marketing into it. I saw. Mm. I, I've seen buses driving past with it on. Um, okay. I've I've seen a few, um, like unrelated Instagram pages talking about it, and and even being invited to the premiere and that kind of thing. So I think that I think they've definitely put the work into the the marketing side on this. Yeah, uh, I've been surprised. Uh, the more I, I talk about it uh, and post on social media and talk to my my circle, what really shocks me is 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 
not just how much work they put into the marketing because that's not my interest. What's my interest in is how many researchers, how many, how how far out Robert Eagers reached to to get the right names and the right people involved in the production. More and more people that I know who are the right people for the job keep coming out of the woodworks and saying, "Oh yeah, I I did this for the film, or I did that for the film." Yeah, it's impressive, really. It impressive. is. It is impressive. Um... So before we start, let's just say, you know, there are going to be spoilers in here. If you haven't seen the movie, then, feel, I mean, it's not a spoilery film. We, we said that before, you know, it's not something where there's a huge twist and we're going to we're gonna ruin it. Um, but if you don't want to kind of know any nuances about the, the history, then, then, you know, tune out and then come back when you've, when you've watched it. Because um, we were going to try and do it without spoilers, but I think we're just going to fuck it up. You know, we're going to, we've got to talk about it to really get into it. I mean, also, if, I mean, have you not seen Hamlet or, or. (laughs) I I hear that. That's what I see all the time is everybody saying that it's based on Hamlet, but wasn't, am I right in thinking that Hamlet was based on an Icelandic saga or have I made that up? You, you were half right. (laughs) Story (laughs) of my life. Stop crediting me. The Icelanders don't deserve credit for everything. Uh, okay. uh, uh, <laughs> um, Hamlet is Shakespeare's um, uh, uh, rendition or his version of a, an old legend that is not Icelandic, although it does have an Icelandic version. Uh, but it, it comes, it goes back to uh, essentially uh, Saxo Grammaticus, a Dane, a Danish. Okay. So it actually goes back even further than him um, to the the Chronicle of Lera. But but Saxo Grammaticus is the one who really tells a, a legend about this king and uh, Omleth, as he calls him, which, of course, Shakespeare calls Omlet or not Omlet, <laughs> uh, Hamlet. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, but his version is quite different than Robert Eager's version. Mm-hmm. So but but yeah, it, it is based on an existing legend. So. Why, why do you think everybody just pinpoints Hamlet then um, as this? Because that, that's the criticism that I've seen of the film so far is people are like, oh, it's just it's just Hamlet. Um, why do you think that is? Why why do you think that they don't go, okay, well, Hamlet was based on these older stories that predate it? Or do you think it's just because Hamlet is what it is and it's so popular? Right. I, I think it's just... Um, uh people like to poo-poo things <laughs> i mean <laughs> yeah like, you're not wrong about and that. they like to, yeah and, and and they but it's a very shallow stupid criticism uh because um <laughs> well now i have to admit i have not seen hamlet but uh, <laughs> i haven't seen hamlet nah nah i'm too cool for that uh, <laughs> <laughs> why why would i have seen hamlet no but no but 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 but, but i have i have read uh, up on what the what the plot of Hamlet is and, and stuff, and and the, the fact of the matter is, it's only loosely. It's a loose. It's like another version of the legend, and I think that that's what people are missing when they talk about how oh, it's only a retelling of, you know, Hamlet. Uh, first of all, it's not a retelling of Hamlet. It's a retelling of a very old legend that Hamlet is also a retelling of. There's also an Icelandic retelling of it. 
there's also Hrosaga uh, uh, Kralka. There's a few sagas that are not about a character named Hamlet or Amleth that are uh, basically retellings of the same legend. So the point mm-hmm. is, uh, Robert Eagers is just the newest form of an ancient legend that reworks itself and retells itself and that's what legends are supposed to do and that's why mm-hmm. people miss the point it's not a retelling it, it, well it's not a it's not just hamlet it's not the story yeah exactly and, and i think i mean because i know saxo's version saxo's mm-hmm. original story and, and and i went to the northman saying i mean they gotta spruce this up because i find saxo's version to be boring mm-hmm. uh and they, oh, they did. It's uh, this, oh, version, yeah. this version is only loosely, very, very loosely based on it, and it's only half the story too. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I've got to admit that when I saw, when I saw that Robert Eggers was was doing like a a Viking movie or yeah. like a movie in this sphere, I got excited because mm-hmm. I I love his movies just purely for the cinematography, the visuals. I think he yeah. makes. Incredibly beautiful movies. Um, whatever you think of the story, whether you like them or not, I think visually they are insane, and he really is a visionary in that in that area. So that excited me. Regardless, I knew that it was going to be a pretty movie, um, and that certainly doesn't disappoint. No, no, and I agree. I, I, I mean, I don't know how many films Robert Eagers has. I know the the most popular are, of course, The Witch. And the lighthouse mm-hmm. um and i love the witch i didn't like the lighthouse <clears throat> i could see the lighthouse again is it i'm i think i'm probably the same with you mm. um but i think again it's still a pretty movie whether you like yeah. it or not it's a pretty movie yeah like I, you can see it's one of those things where yeah it didn't catch me because it's not my thing but you can look at it and you can see there is artistic vision in mm-hmm. what is being created here it just doesn't hit me the witch i absolutely loved yeah. Um, I hated the ending, <laughs> but I still love the movie because mm-hmm. of what you said. Like, uh, it's not really the story. It's it's the it's like he's painting this beautiful dark work of art, and that's yeah. you know there are scenes that are so perfect and so awesome that you like to watch it because of scenes and the whole atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Um, you can tell that I think you can tell that there's depth to things that yeah. there's re- even you know I don't think you even have to particularly know the world and, and appreciate i think you know even as an outsider of, of this kind of thing you can go and watch this movie and you just you can get a sense of this depth to it that he's done his research that there really is more to it than just like a superficial kind of picture um and that and that that stands out people can tell these things i think so i hope so uh, that was one of the things i was actually really wondering and really kind of almost wish i could go around and, and see what people who are just kind of casual fans of Viking things, you know, not deep divers, uh, just, just a casual fan, what they, what they got out of it. Because, mm-hmm. because the depth in uh, the Northmen and, and the witch, but uh, the Northmen being my, my, the, the most newest one, it's really deep in, and I don't mean that in that pretentious like, oh, you just don't understand it. It's a super deep, super deep reading into everything. But mm-hmm. I, I was I was very impressed with with the, the subtleties in it that 
I don't think the casual viewer will get. There are things that I didn't get my first or second time seeing it. Um, and it's, yeah, it's like, it, it. I wonder how much of it gets picked up. Mm-hmm. Because so many people are talking about uh, uh, shirtless, ripped guys fighting and the, the so much violence, so much violence. The violence was secondary. Yeah. I th- I, what, what I find interesting and what I'm going to, hopefully get again in the feedback from people who aren't in this in this world is that it's so different to what you usually expect from like a viking movie if you you know if you don't know this this thing then mm. you kind of have this idea of what quote unquote the vikings are and what it should look like and and maybe even you've kind of seen the vikings the tv show and that kind of thing but this is this is different and yeah. this is this is a, like unapologetically itself it does its own thing and I, and I want to find, it would be interesting to see what people think of that and if it maybe changes their perceptions on what they think of all this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think the, the point that it's unapologetically itself, it needs to be underscored. Uh, I've been trying to kind of say that I've made a couple of YouTube videos talking about this uh, because uh, so many people are, are talking about historical accuracy. How accurate is it? And we can go into that, of course, but but my 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 first point is that it's historical accuracy is such a uh, that is a that is not the right question to ask for a movie like this because it's like asking if Batman or 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 the the Gotham the Gotham uh, Gotham City is historically accurate well the cars work accurately the buildings are but it's got a very dark aura because it's a work of art in a fictional setting and it's the same with this it's it's a legend so everything is over the top everything is big it's dark because robert eagers writes dark stuff and it should be and it's unapologetically a work of his mind but it's dragging out very deep roots it's really going to the sources and i think it made something that was quite authentic Mm-hmm. Um, um, yeah. so the only question is, will people see it and think, ah, ah, the Viking religion, it's, it, it is super dark. Like, ah, it's very dark, very violent, very evil, mm-hmm. you know, uh, of course that's going to happen, but, uh, whatever. I think I've said this quite a few times on the podcast that we, one of the things I think that draws people to to like this mythology is that we don't know everything, and there's so much that's open to your own personal interpretation. It allows you to, to to put it into your own life and adapt it to yourself, and that's that's amazing. But then when you you get TV shows and movies, people then also go, okay, well that's not how I saw it, and yeah. then they get really upset and per- and personal about it. It's like, well, that's not how I. Envisage this, so it must be wrong, rather than just going, okay, well, I have my way of this, but this is just Robert Eggers' version. Like you said, it's this, it's it's a fictional world, and he's taken bits and tried to do what he can with it. But it is a fictional world, and it's a and it's a fiction story. Um, yeah. People kind of get too hung up on the the nuances of it being a hundred percent perfect here, there, and everywhere. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, yeah, my criticisms of it, my criticisms of it are actually have nothing to do with uh, any sort of accuracy, just more about cheesiness <laughs> in certain parts. Yeah, it's, I I agree. Yeah. So um, 
I say before we before we jump into the to the exact kind of details of the historical accuracy of different different sections of the movie, um, I do want I, I do want to say that the one thing I want to give Robert Eggers absolute credit for is that he he was brave enough to to make the movie he wanted to make, mm. and that he he didn't feel the need to have to over explain everything and spoon feed the audience. Yeah, it was it, it's a case of that he's he's put this together. He's used he's put little Easter eggs in there for people like me, you, um, mm. and everybody who's in this kind of world. But then from an outsider, hopefully there's enough there that might drag you in and make you want to research. But it wasn't a case of like, you see with so many things where it's like, you have to just feed everything all the time. He's, he's, he's believed in the audience and gone, okay, here's what I want to make. Fucking have this yeah. and either like it or don't, but this yeah. is, this is it. And, yeah. I, and I really have to respect him for that. I think what he did, and what I, what I, I think this is the the mark of, uh, I mean, this is this is what I, I'm a big sci-fi fan, uh, and 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 I mean, a real work of art. I think when it comes to sci-fi or even fantasy, is can you create a world where the rules, the reality that these these characters are acting in are not ours? So, for example, so much of Hollywood is basically people acting the way they do in all Hollywood movies, uh, but with a backdrop and aesthetics of whatever the setting is. And in this case, uh, also in The Witch uh, and in The Lighthouse, I think this is what Robert Eagers does, is he creates a worldview for people. He, he creates the rules within a sort of reality that people operate within. And then that's the story, how characters act within this way of thinking. And so in The Witch... I mean, the scariest thing in the witch is is not the witch. It's it to me. It was the the terrifying puritanic puritanicalism, puritanism, the, the terrifying uh, religiousness of the family, and their mm-hmm. worldview was terrifying. And in in uh, in uh, the Northman, he has he really has created a worldview working with researchers and, and stuff to sort of create this sort of quote Viking or, or heathen worldview, this particular worldview within, within which the different characters operate, that's tough to do. And that takes mm-hmm. a lot of work. And that's why there's so many layers to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that, that's brilliant. And it's brave, I think, as a, as a filmmaker. Um, so, cause you, you run the risk of becoming art, art film that only a handful of people watch yeah yeah you do um and yeah i think i, th- I think it is a, a brave movie in, in that sense um and i'm happy for that i I, yeah. I like things that are different i'm sick of seeing like things that are just kind of plain and easy to understand and it's mm. it's boring i want something that makes me think and makes me react and and feel things that's yeah. that's the that's the fun for me so yeah, let's get into some some details, some right. actual kind of things that go on. I, I want to start with my one, probably I, one of my favorite scenes, and that's the the, the Draugr scene, um, where he goes into the burial mound to to find this legendary, yeah. legendary sword. Um, what did what did you think? Uh, that was also in my top three favorite scenes. Uh, mm-hmm. It, it was cinematically beautiful, um, and, but 
I don't, I don't know. What, what do you, okay, let me see. What, what, what's my, I really like Tal. First of all, it's not a, uh, you do have accounts of this in the sagas, of course. So uh, historically accurate, nobody's fighting, <laughs> nobody's fighting uh, Draugar in the uh, sagas, of course not. But, uh, you know, two really cool versions that are similar to it are uh, Grettir saga, where the Icelandic hero Grettir goes into a mound and uh, fights uh, uh, basically a haugbui, one who dwells within the mound, basically the dead guy buried there, steals his treasure, takes a sword. Uh, and another version is uh, actually about a girl, um, Hervir, uh, who uh, takes her, claims her father's sword. She goes into his burial mound where him and like 11 berserkers are buried. And... Uh, it's a super cool. It's uh, it's it's contained in the the saga of Hervor and Heydrich, but uh, I think Caroline Larrington preserved the the poetic aspects of that in she put it in her poetic edda version, so it's uh, you can read it. But uh, it's she doesn't fight them. She sort of has an argument with them, and they give her the legendary sword of her father named uh, Tirfing, so the Fang of Tyr. Yeah. super fucking cool so back Absolutely. to the movie yeah so back to the movie well i oh it was fucking awesome the the first of all there's the the realism of the 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 ship burial uh yeah. and just the things there were were quite believable aside from the fact that it was in iceland <laughs> because <laughs> no they, they had ship burials in iceland but the 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 dead guy was like uh clearly like a a, a very powerful chieftain with you know his helmet was like uh he's a like, big boy it was like a vendel helmet yeah and a very ancient sword that i mean it was a bit older than the settlement of iceland but okay whatever the battle was fucking cool and i loved how at the end he kind of beats it and then the oh, camera... i know i oh, i thought you I, I thought i knew what you were gonna say go and carry on Oh no, no, I just love how he beats the oh yeah, okay. I also love how he shoves its head up its ass. <laughs> that's exactly what I was I love <laughs> that part. Yeah. That's what I was going for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he 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 beats the uh, dead guy, sodomizes him with his own head, and then the screen shifts and you realize he's kind of having this battle with it in the spirit world. Or in the mental world, is he even having it? That's what's so fucking great about it. He he kind of like rides the line between belief and objective reality throughout the movie, except for a couple scenes. Um, and ah, it was fucking beautiful. It was top three scenes. So yeah, that's my review of that scene. <laughs> no, it was it was it was a lot of fun. Um, and like you say, it's it's not it's a tough one because if he'd have picked like you like you said the story about the the, the lady that goes in and there's the 12 berserkers and he'd done it exactly like that yeah. then people would people would say oh well he's just he's just copied that he's just yeah. done it like that but then he does it differently and then you get people say oh that's not accurate he didn't that didn't it's like what the fuck do you want yeah and i hate the i hate the accuracy thing because because it it's not as I've said to people, uh, I mean, the, the sagas are not historically accurate at all. I mean, they are. I mean, this is a story. This is a legend 
told in modern form. I mean, we go and we see it in the theater, but it's still a modern legend now. It's probably going to become a part of our cultural, you know, we're going to have memes and quotes. And, you know, 13th Warrior <laughs> has had a huge impact on our culture in terms of jokes that we make and stuff like that. These are modern legends. And it, it can't be a perfect rendition of an older legend. That's stupid. Legends have to be alive. They have to, they have to develop and be their own. Mm-hmm. But if they can draw on authenticity, that's where it's that's where it's powerful, and that's what he does. This this scene fits in with other scenes in the sagas of people fighting or dealing with dead people in mounds and negotiating or fighting to take stuff. This fits that. It just does it, and it's in a new form. It needs to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, all right, the next. I know we, we briefly spoke about the berserker scene before, yeah. um, which which interests interests me. Um, what what do you think about the berserker scene? Yes. So we 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 talk about when they when they raid the village, um, yeah. yeah, and Alexander Skarsgård looks like a fucking god amongst men. Whatever whatever that boy's eating, I fucking want it. He probably wasn't eating much for uh, the weeks leading up to the film. <laughs> no, and I'm sure he was on some <laughs> supplement. I'm pretty sure he was deep in a cut until a few minutes before the scene. And then they're like, here, drink some sugar water. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, I mean, he looks good without his shirt on, though. So fucking fair play to him. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, the, well another one of my top three so now we're going to hit two of my top favorite <laughs> scenes i've actually a lot of favorite scenes but the the scene where they're doing the chant uh where the berserkers are around the fire or the ulfhedna are the wolf warriors or berserkers i don't know if they ever refer to themselves as berserkers or ulfhedna i know he calls himself bear wolf so he's both but uh, they're wearing wolf skins. So that ceremony I fell in love with uh, because, because um, as a researcher, when or, or, or just any fan, when, when you're looking at, for example, the picture stones, the Gotland picture stones, or, the, or you get these, these, uh, these uh, artifacts that depict scenes, and you know these scenes were made by actual, you know, heathen people from that period of time. But that's all you have is this scene. It's just a glimpse into this worldview. And you can't get more than that. And you, you imagine what could it depict? What sort of ceremonies could be behind this scene that are gone forever? And you want to see it done. And you want to see it done in cool ways. And that's what this did. Uh, if you, most people that listen probably already know about it, but if you type in uh, or you look up the Torslund uh, panel or just the Torslund helmet plate, uh, it's a very famous image of a horned fig- a figure wearing a horned headpiece with two spears doing a kind of dance. And next to them, uh, this figure is a, another figure in a wolf or a bear skin. Mm. I think it's like the typical thing that when someone Googles berserker, that's kind of 
the yeah. image you're going to see. Everyone, everyone will have seen that for sure. Exactly, uh, and and we only can imagine what what sort of we 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 assume that these do depict rituals. There's a lot of scenes of figures wearing horned headgear, and I actually wrote uh, I wrote uh, in my thesis I wrote about ideas about what this meant, and one of the ideas is that this is the cult of warriors perhaps dedicated to Odin, or at least some of them dedicated to Odin, this, this band of killers that try to convince themselves that they are killers mm-hmm. and that they are tougher, that they are brave enough and tough enough and unbeatable enough to run into a battle. Uh, berserkers, people that live in a life of constant war, and you imagine these ceremonies. And that was so cool because the, he created this vi- image where the guy leading it is wearing the headpiece and he's chanting it. And the other guys are kind of his wolf pack. Mm-hmm. And I, I, it was, it was the first depiction I've ever seen of that plate, you know, put into a live action scene. Yeah. Exactly. And I fell in love with it because you've always mm-hmm. imagined what this could be. So. Yeah. Um, and it, it actually runs, runs true to when we had Roderick Dale on and he, he was telling us about this kind of idea of, of, the berserker actually being a dance rather than kind of like this typical mushroom eating warrior who ran in naked yeah. <laughs> like that's yeah. like the, the and, and thankfully like that's left behind and it becomes this kind of it's yeah it's like a ritual to whip you up into frenzy and and i know people tease me all the time in the discord for referencing me playing ruby on here <laughs> but like it's that it is that kind of thing and, and you understand i think when you play any kind of like physical sport where you it is like a brotherhood and you you whip each other up into a frenzy you know it's the pacific islanders have like the hackers where it's that pre it is like a pre-war war war ritual where you kind of get into this area into this mentality where you're going to go to battle so it's not surprising that that thing would have existed oh it would have existed or there would have been many forms of something like that because that's what people do and, and that's what uh, warrior fraternities do. Uh, I mean, you have to imagine you put, and of course the entire, the entire Scandinavian world wasn't a world of violence. Most people were just farmers and fishermen and traders, but there were dedicated warriors who lived a life of violence. There were pirates and slavers who lived a life of violence. And these were people that had tremendous PTSD before PTSD was even a thing. Um, and, and these were men who, who or, and women, uh, increasingly, we're, we're seeing that women in some ways did play a part in different, in different aspects of the, the war world. Um, but these were people that uh, did perform ceremonies to get into a frenzy. Mm-hmm. Uh, they also did these ceremonies to kind of, you, you kind of notice in the movie, I, I kind of like this. They're, they're terrible. Like they're 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 killing that scene is hard to watch where they're where they're you know taking uh, children and, and taking people and putting them in this barn and setting it on fire and they're just horrible people and they're and they have to do these ceremonies to kind of keep their own morale and to keep their own sense of uh, fictive kinship brotherhood. I, I thought there was a lot behind that scene. And also the chant, the words were super cool. <laughs> yeah, I think that we were guilty of, of forgetting that these are these are humans, that mm. these are people, you know, we're we're a thousand years removed 
but we need to remember that there are people with feelings of fears and you know it's it's this silly idea that we see in tv shows of like the the till valhalla everyone wants to die it's that it's that idea of the there's no fear in battle and i don't think that's the case you know we would the, the humans and they are they they are scared of death regardless of what i think what anyone thinks because everybody is whether it's a a mercenary today or or back then you you just fearful of that of that thing of, of, of whatever happens so you know you need those moments to whip you up to get you into the zone to get you there yeah. um and that's what I, that's what i like that it, it brings that humanity back almost yeah uh, and the, the chant was super cool too yeah he does he brings the humanity it's great because there is a humanity in it but there's so few likable people um there's not really a fixed good or bad person in the whole film not really um i mean omleth is not a good person uh and and uh, and his enemy uh, fjolnir is not a good person but he's also not as you learn later in the movie he's not the most terrible person either they all suck they're all just brutal bastards in a brutal bastard world mm-hmm. and that was pretty That's- cool yeah, it is. They're all human in in a dark world, um, and doing what they doing what they think is right or best. <laughs> nobody, yeah, nobody's, yeah, nobody's perfect, and 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 like, apart from Anya's Anya's character, she's perfect. <laughs> Which one is that? The uh, the the An- Anya Taylor, the the blonde lady. Yeah, let me see. We're trying to find a flaw. No, yeah, she. Well, yeah. <laughs> you know she, ah, she was a pretty good one so enough said about that yeah. um, <laughs> so I want to talk about one of I don't know if he's I think maybe one of my personally controversial scenes um, is when I'm going to say a, a child before kind of whatever happens happens and they're in like the the churchy thing. It's not a church, but it kind of looks like a church. Um, Are you talking about the temple? The temple, yes. No, I know it's a temple. It's I know not it's a temple. church. No, it's a temple, but it's kind of church esque in appearance. Which is one thing I wanted to ask you about is that the architecture of that, whether mm-hmm. because it looks quite does look quite churchy to me. So you're but, referring to uh, child omelette. When yes. they go into the, the temple, temple to do the ceremony with his dad. And we, yeah, then I want to talk about the that bit. So okay. yeah, so like Alyssa said in the chat, like a stave stave churchy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it it does look stave churchy. But you want me to talk about that first, and then we go into that, the yeah part? that first, and then let's go into yeah the the insanity of what ensues inside. <laughs> I love temple. what goes on inside that temple. All right, so. We, we, we have obviously never found, uh, we don't have Viking Age architecture. So we have to sort of, and this is why I hate the argument about the historical accuracy, because we have to reel back and do a lot of research and argue about what is historically accurate. It looks stave churchy because uh, the stave churches, the stav churches are, at least in, in, in their most basic, in the stav way that they are constructed based on older pre-Christian uh, uh, architecture. So we have found the most famous would be um, a place called Upakra, 
in uh, southern Sweden, where we have found a, a stave building that is a cult house or a temple, uh, temple, hof, cult house. It's a holy building where ceremonies took place. Um, we found a number of those, and we do think that the stav churches are similar to those older buildings. Did they have dragon heads? We don't know, but I mean, their, their ships had, they had dragon heads and all kinds of crap. So they probably did, um, but we, we don't have any, we don't have any, so we can't verify. But to me, it is totally valid uh, and quite accurate to imagine a, an older pre-Christian holy building looking like a stav church, uh, more or less. So I thought that was um, along the lines with what we know. Um, and then you add on to it, the art history and stuff like that. Okay, fair enough. I, I, I loved it. So you, you can feel free to love it. <laughs> there we go. All right, let's, let's get inside. Let's get inside because it's... I loved inside. Inside I mean, it, was also my top three favorite scenes. <laughs> I mean, it, it goes on in there. It gets, it gets wild. It um, does. This is one of the points where I think the, the movie maybe, for me, kind of maybe pushed it a little too far. Mm. And I was a little bit, kind of almost took me out to the point where I was like, what the fuck's going on here? It kind of removed me, removed me back a little too far. Yeah. Um, which it's not really a negative because I, you know, I was there to enjoy it and mm -hmm. be absorbed into it. But sometimes, you know, you get those things that can kind of just take mm. you a little out of the out of the zone. And yeah, that was that's what I, I felt a little bit with that scene that it was just pushed it a, a little bit. What about it? Um, do you? What about it pushed you? Um. Like what about it felt too much? I, I, I think what I what I didn't like was the savagery of it, in a sense of the. It's all kind of this. This whole thing is, is kind of breaking the mold of like the Vikings or people of you know, Viking Scandinavians being like these savages who knew no better, and then you've got these two, the, the king and his son on their knees, sipping and howling like dogs. Mm. Um, and I, I, I felt like it was kind of playing into that trope of, of savagery. And, and I kind of just was like, there's, there's more to it than that. And I think that maybe runs throughout the whole, whole movie that I wish there'd been a little more. But like you say, movies about fucking farmers doesn't, doesn't sell movies. You know, that's, mm -hmm. you're mm -hmm. never going to sell a movie about people no. farming and, and being, you know, everyday life. Yeah. But I just think it, it kind of just leaned into that that stereotype of, of them being these these kind of not stupid savages, but that kind of thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I'll give you my take. <laughs> I mean, and I want I, it. That's what we're here for. Uh, I was extremely excited when I saw that scene. Um. <clears throat> um. And I, what I saw. Well, first of all, the, the idea of, okay, so I, I don't, it, it, this is my opinion. Um, I don't think he played into a stereotype of savagery 
Uh, I think, unfortunately, a lot of people have the stereotype of savagery, um, but they don't understand the, the reality kind of behind it. I, I think uh, there is a lot of, if you were to, if I were to drop you in uh, a number of indigenous cultures, um, you would get culture shock uh, at what's going on. And some of it would mm -hmm. seem quite, uh, or I would also get culture shock uh, because some of what goes on in cultures outside of our own uh, can appear quite savage because they're not, because they're so different. Um, and I think if we could go back in time and enter the Viking age, we would find a lot of what happened to be very hard to stomach. Uh, we could talk about the boat burial, for example, that happens later on with the sacrifice of the slave girl. Um, but 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 I think that so the the acting like dogs and stuff. What I saw, what I interpreted was got me very excited um, because if you notice, uh, and I, I kind of if you've seen my video, I talk about this, but I'll go into it again. Um, you have the temple. You got the center of the temple. That's the that's the central sanctum of the holy place where the people go and the, the gods are held up there. And that's at the that's in the middle. Odin is being worshipped there. You, you've got uh, mm. different idols to different gods. I don't think they name them. But in the back, in in the back of the room, there's a door, and that door on it, uh, they never say it, but on the door is uh, a carving called based on the Loki stone, uh, which uh, is a you know it's a it's a stone depiction from the viking age depicting who knows but we have called the loki stone so i was like ooh 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 does this door lead to like a loki place mm -hmm. and lo and behold i mean loki is i think he nailed the trickster the transgressive trickster role in an animist society or an indigenous society I think he nailed it in this depiction because they have to go in the back away from the other gods they go under the earth into the world of this transgressive god who breaks rules and here's a priest I don't know if anybody caught it but the um William DeVoe's character obviously is the priest but he's also the uh, the fool the jester um and the so when they're in the hall and the jester makes the really crude joke about i forgot what but the he grabs like he makes a cock joke and fjolnir threatens to kill him and the king says like he is my friend yes he's crude but he is my friend mm -hmm. well that jester happens to also be sort of a priest of loki so yeah. here you have down in this pit the king and the boy breaking all the rules kings are not supposed to behave this way boys are not supposed to behave this way i mean men so i really liked it they were running it, it reminds me of like in volsunga saga sigmund and sinfriot they they yes. become they become savages yeah, yeah, yeah. wolves and i think it was a lesson oh also Jonas. this was something i didn't know but Jonas filled me in on it that scene underneath the cave it's based on basically a henbane trip and we know that they, we have found henbane uh, in uh, vulva graves. So we assume that henbane, which was a heavy intoxicant, played a role in religious ceremonies. And so here these guys are just tripping. Mm -hmm. And it's about 
I think breaking the rules and establishing the boy finding his place and establishing himself as a human. How do you become a human? How do you become a man? And uh, yeah, so I liked it. I didn't think it broke any tropes. I think that they had, or I don't think it broke. I don't think it played with stereotypes too much. Okay. I think it went into the source material. And I think this is why we need chats like this because there's this, there's things that the movie, even, even with me, you know, I've been doing this, what we're 111, 12, 13 episodes. I'm not sure what we're at, but you know, I've learned so much over it, but I'm still very much away from the point of like you, Mateus, and and the scholarly types that we come on here. Um, so when I, Shan's just correcting me, 114. Um, so, you know, I, you know, I like to think I've got a good understanding, but mm. things like that I miss. And, and then as soon as you said, said there, like the Volsunga saga, I'm like, fuck yeah, it does remind me of that. Now, now you said it. Um, mm. And I think that's, that's why kind of like, this is important where, we can point out all those little things that he's done and tried to do. And really, whether whether you like the movie or not, you have to respect the the, the, the fact that he's tried to go so far with all these little things to, to keep justice to, to what he wanted to create and, and, and give justice to the, the time period. I think so. And I, he really, he really, I mean, we know that he worked with uh, Neil Price quite a bit uh who is an expert on uh on what we can say about the the viking age sort of belief in spirits and relationship with the spirit world the, the quote quote shamanism um and he wrote a lot about it with his book uh the viking way uh which i highly recommend if you read the viking way i think you will see a lot of the northmen in it um mm -hmm. Uh, and he also worked with my old advisor, Terry Gunnell. So you see, you can see their arguments or their, the things that they have said throughout the movie or throughout, yeah, throughout the film. And it, it's a lot of transformation. It's like the whole movie is about transformation. Um, and uh, there was another thing about that scene that I also didn't get originally, but I, I brought it up to Jonas because obviously Jonas was in the film, and I was like, so this Loki thing, I I know I'm right when I see this. This must be what Robert Eagers is going for. I mean, this transgressive transformation trickster figure, it, it's too perfect. Um, he must have known he was doing it. And Jonas was like, yeah, he also, I forgot the name of the king, I, but they call him the War Raven. So um, Omleth's father um, is an Odin figure. And the fool, who is the priest of Oki, also that mask he's wearing, it's based on a, a mask that they found in Iceland. Um, so, yeah, cool side point. But uh, throughout the whole movie, he's obsessed with the Allfather, the Allfather, Allfather Odin, Allfather Odin. And his father is basically, it's like this weird thing where this character is really just obsessed with his dad. His father is an Odinic figure. He sees a raven and he says, Father? And uh, you never tell if it's actually Odin or his father helping him. So this is very cool role between a Loki figure being the trick, the the trick, the the fool slash priest, the Odinic figure being the Amla's father. Mm -hmm. um, uh, yeah, and and I think that that I didn't even catch the Odin part 
when I watched it. So it's it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I think it's so fascinating that there's, that there's things that there's somebody at, at your at your level, you know, who's who's dedicated a lot of time to to this and and researching this this world, and then that there's things in there that you don't pick up on. Nah. So that that I mean that that has to show the level of of detail and want to kind of do justice and do right, yeah. um, and that that really speaks volumes. That you know people who really specialize in this are watching it and then going, you know, picking up on stuff, and then the next time around going, oh my god, I fucking missed this in the background and missed this and yeah. missed this. Yeah, and there's so many little nuggets like that. Like I even like to. I, there's just so many things I can go through the whole movie and be like, oh, this, 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 this. The, the Valkyrie has, uh, what do you call it? Like, uh, her teeth are uh, filed. She has filed teeth. Filed teeth. We have. Yeah, I, I liked that. Yeah, I liked I, how I, the Valkyrie looked as well. Like, it wasn't uh, just some, some. I did some, not. Did you not? <laughs> this was I mean, one of my criticisms. I did like the filed teeth. Uh, I didn't like the Valkyrie scene. And I didn't like. Oh, the I, yeah, I don't think I necessarily liked the Valkyrie scene, but I, I I didn't mind how she looked in the sense that she wasn't like a big boob, like superficial print, you know, like that that typical yeah, Valkyrie. Fierce. That Valkyrie look. Yeah, she was mean. Yeah, and and I, I liked that. Um, yeah, I liked that bit. But let's 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 talk about that. Let's talk about the Valkyrie scene and like this this Asgard gate. Yeah, I or. <laughs> In The Witch, back to The Witch, I thought that the movie would have ended much better if it had just ended with the girl walking into the forest and, yeah, walking into the forest. Maybe walking into the forest and finding a group of women dancing on the fire. But then she starts floating up and I was like, cheesy, gone too far, stupid. Yeah. And in this, had like, okay, big spoiler alert. He dies. <laughs> When he dies, it shows him, maybe it's in his imagination, whatever, but there's this big scene of riding the Valhall, and I hated it. He should have just died. It was over. It was redundant. You didn't need... It was like it was also like Marvel. I hated the depiction of Valhall. Yeah, I think that towards the end, I think the last... 15 minutes it got a little (laughs) I I wasn't I'll be honest again fuck we we might as well just kind of say that we're gonna spoil the whole movie so already spoiled it we gave you all the warnings um the 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 whole like volcano thing was a little much for me as well yeah I felt Um, like it was um it was like it was it almost went into fantasy I know, I know it's fictional, but it went fantasy. And that was a little bit kind of... It was like, like Frodo versus Gollum. Yeah. <laughs> it was like Frodo versus Gollum. Uh, what's the Lord of the Rings? Darth Vader become, before he becomes Darth Vader meets... Uh, um, um, Anakin versus Obi-Wan. Anakin. It was, it, yeah. Yeah, I didn't like that scene. I, I, I didn't like the fight scene. It was... It, I'd rather watch Frodo and Gollum roll around. <laughs> <laughs> no, I like. I mean, I didn't like. I didn't mind the end of the fight scene. Um, all right, so we 
the 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 ascent into Valhalla. Hated it. And obviously the like it looks very much like Heaven's Gates. Let's be yeah. honest. That's yeah. what it looks like. Yeah. Um yeah. What 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 do you think about that? I hated it. Oh, <laughs> uh, I mean, there's a. I, 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 it looks so cheesy. I mean, for for one thing, okay. I also, I also, I'll just lay out the scenes I really hated. Um, I hated the scene where he escapes his bonds, and suddenly there's fucking Odin standing there, like cheesy it didn't even like the graphics look weird too it looked like cartoon odin the most cliche odin you can imagine standing there i i was like cringe the valkyrie scene i didn't like uh because it was for similar reasons and the ascent to valhall was so wagner meets marvel meets yeah i didn't like them um because for one thing the movie does such a good job of not going over the top. Like the scene with the dragon where he's fighting inside the barrel mound. Such an awesome scene. Then you realize he's doing it kind of in his head. Mm-hmm. Um, another really fantastic scene is where the the he he where the men are all like flipping out where he's poisoned, he's mushroom poisoned. Uh, the guards, Fjolnir's guards, and they're killing themselves and losing their minds in the darkness. And they think that there are evil, like like dark death spirits after them. Mm-hmm. And they're like, Aesir, stay away. By the way, that's a much more realistic depiction of Valkyries, uh, death spirits that come and claim you. That is, I think, yeah. how the Viking world would have seen Valkyries, not these ladies on horses. But anyways, he does such a good job of riding the line of belief and what's real and what's a part of their worldview and then all of a sudden you got this glowing gates of Valhall it it was over the top and it also mm-hmm. I mean I don't want to go into not historically accurate but uh, probably not how anybody imagined flying off into heaven and <laughs> so yeah but, but what do you think of I guess because because the idea of like Valhalla now yeah. is very Christianized. This this kind of so do you think maybe that played a part that it did? There's certainly at some point there's a there's a Christian influence that gets into this idea of, of Valhalla, yeah. um, and it becomes almost a heavenly mm. type place. Um, and that's what that's how it seems today. I think a lot of people who probably who probably um, are, are quite critical of Christianity and the Christian influences in, like, on on paganism and on like this whole thing. That, but then they still probably celebrate this idea of Valhalla, but don't realize that that's just no. fucking like this is like it's just heaven. It's just what they they kind of used to assimilate the the whole yeah. transition into. Like, yeah, exactly. I think that's a good word good way to put it that it's it's volatile is a part of the transition towards christianity uh and in many ways the odin the odin that we have i mean uh terry argued in an article that that odin is a uh he's a transitionary god i mean odin 
is a god that played a lot of roles over time. I mean, but by the end of the Viking Age, Odin is this this almost hybrid figure between what would have been sort of a, a sort of an indigenous uh, animist perspective, and now you're you're increasingly getting this all-seeing god who can dole out reward, and he sees you everywhere. He's got his ravens watching you, and um, he does. He's not. He's not. He's not the. He's not. He's not Viking version of uh, of uh, of the Christian God, but he is getting there. But we also have to remember that the the, the poems that we have that talk so much about Valhall, so much of them, as well as the prose that we have, do come well after the Christianization period. So it's very tough to talk about what did they actually believe what if you could go back in time right when did the idea of i mean there have been books written arguing about okay how did the idea of Valhalla develop it's it's spec it's very hard to say um but I, I think that we should be a little bit careful about running too far away from Valhalla because um the the the, the, the if you start everything that we have is at least a little bit Christian influenced, mm-hmm. and and you you can't cut out the Christian influences. You, you really can't. All you can do is kind of talk about the shift in worldview that begins to happen. But by the end of the Viking Age, pagan kings did believe in Valhall. Mm-hmm. Uh, Harald the if he was an actual person, uh, but uh, seems to have been very much dedicated to this idea of Valhall, and um, um. How come uh, no? Uh, yeah, how come the good? How come the good when he dies? Uh, they they recite a poem for him, uh, and that's been passed down to us if if it's authentic. And he was a Christian, and even in his poem, how come how It's dedicated to him. It's basically a story about how well. He was a good king, and therefore he had to go to Valhall, even though he was a Christian. And Odin is a bit angry at him because he's a Christian, and he doesn't really want to see Odin, but he's got to go to Valhall because good kings go to Valhall. And, and so he goes to Valhall. Um, they did believe in Valhall, um, but did they picture it up in the sky, glimmering, shining? I mean, I think that's more <laughs> Hollywood today. I don't even think Christianity thought of heaven in that way for a long time. Mm-hmm. You ask these questions and they're, uh, they are tip of the iceberg questions because, man, each one of them could go. Oh, I, I bet. I bet we could just probably do an episode on, on each bit. Yeah, um, So... <laughs> You know, we've spoken about how much detail he's put into everything and yeah. really, really tried. So I struggle to think that he's just cut corners or just kind of with Valhalla just gone, fuck it. Like they, he must have based it on something. I, 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 I can't understand why he would just kind of put all this time into everything else trying to, mm-hmm. trying to be as accurate as possible. And then when it comes to like Valhalla, just go, eh, let's just make it like heaven. So, so yeah, yeah, like he must have, there must be something. He can't have just gone so detailed with everything else and put so much time and, and thought. Yeah. And then just gone, nah, whatever. Yeah, it's, so, it's weird because these scenes are jarring, right? I mean, I think anybody that watches the movie, 
the Odin scene too, uh, you don't need Odin there to know that it's Odin. I mean, you got a flock of ravens setting him free. You don't need this cartoon figure of Odin to just stand there. And then you got the shining Valhall. Um, I, Do you think that's maybe for people who who don't know, who maybe aren't in? Because I, I, I find it insane. You know, when I people tell people, like, if I have to ring up for car insurance, let's say, and, <laughs> and, and you know, I have to, like, explain, oh, yeah, my company, what's your company called? Oh, it's Horns of Odin. People are like horns of Odin, or, 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 like they they, I think like for the average person, we we just assume that everyone's right. going to know who this right. is. But right. I, I so maybe he's put that in just to kind of like help people out a little I mean, bit. Yeah, maybe. But there's also I I kind of want to ask him. I kind of want to confront him. I mean, we've prayed because he's gotten. We've been trying to get him praise. on. We've been we we. <laughs> we've been trying he's gotten plenty of praise so he can he deserves to also get a little bit of a roast um i think he would take it well though i, I do think, think he would, he would too well. I, I, don't know. I think he would but i i wonder i mean and to bring up Jonas again who i know is listening hello Jonas. um Jonas suggested and we don't know but he he had the idea that perhaps this was a studio decision um, and not actually Robert Eager's decision himself, or perhaps because I mean, this was these scenes, particularly the you know, the Valhalla scene, these were edited in. I mean, obviously, they're I mean, they're CGI, they're 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 graphics, so he couldn't have over. I mean, he maybe he oversaw them, but they could have just been the studio making bad decisions. I don't know, I don't know. Um, maybe it would be worthwhile hearing what the average person who isn't such a nerd like us thought if they liked those scenes, maybe, maybe. I, you know. Like I say, I think in, in his defense, I think that there has to be some reason for it because he, I, th- I feel like he's so particular and so accurate with everything. I just can't think that it would just be, be there without <laughs> it. I, I don't. No, it's odd. It's odd. It's also, uh, I mean, to point out also, I mean, from a storytelling point of view, that could also just be what's in his head. But uh, because, you know, he's dying. So, I mean, the first time it shows the Valkyrie, he's dreaming. But um, it, it does bother me a little bit because because I, I don't, uh, that that idea of like horse riding Valkyrie is taking you up to... I mean that that is a very late idea. Like I said, they were they were they were death spirits. Um, uh, oops, mm-hmm. sorry if uh, I just made a ding sound. My computer dinged. No, oh, stop yeah. dinging! I'm gonna have to be cutting this out. <laughs> um, um, I think it was Rudolf Simek, a researcher, went on a went on a tirade in uh, an article. Uh, where he was criticizing the idea of Valkyries uh, being horse riding maidens. Of course, they are depicted that way in the late sources, but he's like, these are demons of death. And, uh, and I think it's worth remembering that the, the old depiction of them, they would have been, I think they would have been more like the spirits causing the men to kill themselves uh, outside of Fjolnir's hall. This, these just horrifying death spirits sent by the death god to pick you it's it's not 
glorious it's terrifying mm-hmm. no um yeah i mean the film is quite brutal as well yeah it is yeah. it is brutal and there's yeah. a there's a pit i'll be honest there's not many things in in movies or tv shows or or, or anything that kind of makes me scream but there is one scene um i'm not going to i don't i'm not going to say it. we've already spoiled what the (laughs) we have we have all right (laughs) all right so there's there's one i know what you're gonna say yeah where he take where he gets the sword to the face um like they there something about that made me feel uncomfortable yeah and slow prick into the already fucking destroyed (laughs) nose yeah there is just something that made me think and there's not many times that that happens to me. That's um, brutal, brutal about me. So, so yeah, I like the the brutality of it, but again, I I kind of worried that it's playing into that kind of savage, well, kind of well, thing. I mean, again, it's it's a legend, and one of the things about the legends about the about the sagas themselves is they are over the top. I actually, uh, I actually uh, wrote down two two small parts of a, a saga that I enjoy. If you want, I can retell it uh, because yeah, it absolutely it sort of exemplifies how exaggerated the sagas are, and the sagas are full of these. So this is from uh, the saga of Burning Njal, Brenna Njal saga. Uh, it's basically Sopranos in Iceland. So it's it's like these houses just killing each other and setting each other's houses on fire. And <laughs> in one of the scenes, uh, one of the guys' name is Skarpaven is fighting another guy who's on the other side of a river named Thrawin. And it says, you know, um, he basically, come, Skarpaven comes charging across the, the ice towards Thrawin and he... It says uh, that the, the ice slab was very smooth and Scarpaven, ah, I lost my part. He basically runs across it on his horse, leaps over the river and with his axe cleaves Thrawin's head through the jaw and his molars fall out into the ice. He takes the molars and rides away. Later on, uh, Thrawin's family is getting basically revenge. His, his clan has Scarpaven's family trapped in a hall that they're burning so everybody here is burning to death and and that was real people that is that was a part of warfare back then but uh Skarpaden is burning he's inside the building and one of the guys names Gunnar looks at him he's climbing on the roof and he's like hey Skarpaden you look like you're crying as Skarpaden is inside of a burning building and Skarpaden basically says no, my eyes are just a little bit sore. Like, it's just the smoke. <laughs> and uh, Gunnar kind of taunts him and says, I haven't been this happy since you killed my kinsman, uh, Thrawin. And Skarpaden goes, well, it basically says, well, if you love him so much, I have a memento for you. And he takes the molar and throws it at Gunnar so hard that it punches out Gunnar's eye and his eye dangles above his cheek and he falls off the roof. And it's it's all just so exaggerated. This mm-hmm. is the sagas. They yeah. are 
they are guys telling stories that are larger than life, more violent than reality. And I mean, does it play into a stereotype? Sure. But I mean, stereotypes are based on a little bit of truth. And, and, and at least the sagas are very brutal. And uh, I want that. I want this. I, Robert Eager's version of the Omelette saga. I would rather watch that than Hamlet or a, an accurate depiction of uh, Saxo Grammaticus's story. Because Saxo's version is quite boring. He's basically playing stupid for years um, instead of killing people. <laughs> okay. Okay, I think, there's, I think there's one more scene we have to discuss. Yes. Um, and I actually forgot about it until just now. I've been having too much fun and drinking too much whiskey. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm too busy so, yeah, that's it. That's it. Um, it's the obviously it's like the, the the slave scene, the sacrifice scene. Yeah. Um, unless you have another scene that I'm, we're meant to discuss as well. I like. I mean, we can talk about all kinds of scenes, but uh, that's, I, that's. I the think that I think that's the major one that we've kind of left out so yeah. far. Yes. Are oh, you want me to take the lead on it? Huh. <laughs> Do you, do you want to? I mean, for me... Yes, I, I see think... a character. I, I see a person commented, and they say that scene gave me 13th Warrior vibes. Actually, <laughs> like how Hamlet and Shakespeare is based off of a, an older account, 13th Warrior is also taking at least that part and basing it off of an older account. And actually, uh, um, for, one re- for one thing... All right, I I love 13th Warrior. I know it's really cheesy, but it's also really awesome. (laughs) Cheesy is awesome sometimes. 13th Warrior cheese is great. People get hung up on stuff sometimes, and I Uh, like cheesy stuff. I'm a sucker for, like, fuck it. What's wrong with, like, a bit of nostalgia and a bit of cheese sometimes? Yeah, and I feel like 13th Warrior is from... And the whole idea of Vikings and Norse religion and Norse mythology and all that shit... It's it's become so serious because people have sort of absorbed it into their identity in the last twenty years, and so now every I mean, Vikings itself takes it seems to take itself very serious. But but Thirteenth Warrior it feels like it's from an era bef- when Viking stuff was fun, adventure-y and just I love that movie. But anyways, the scene from Thirteenth Warrior is actually pretty good. Um, mm-hmm. the the burial scene is it's actually a good scene. Um, in as far as movie depictions go, it's fairly similar to the uh, the actual account because this is based on an account. Mm-hmm. So Robert Eager's version is also based on an account. the 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 thing that I think I want to point out a key difference between Robert Eager's version and the account. The account is, uh, I think, it was either the eleventh century or the tenth century. Ibn Fadlan, an Arabic traveler, uh, goes up the Volga into the Rus and uh, deals with what we think may have been Swedish or or Scandinavian people in the Rus. And he attends uh, the burial of a chieftain. And this burial, this description, Ibn Fadlan's description is quite, quite, it's, it's a very big detailed description. And much of it, we do think, was quite accurate. 
um, because uh, there's a number of reasons why, but uh, uh, there's there's a lot of reason to believe quite a bit of what Ibn Fadlan says. But his depiction is in on the Volga, so actually where the scene of the berserkers, you know, they're they're going and raiding people, and it would actually be roughly there. So he describes this burial of a chieftain, and it's quite elaborate. Robert Eager's version is not attempting to be that burial, obviously, because he's talking about uh, a burial in Iceland. So he, he's not trying to replicate the exact same burial. He's doing a different one. Um, so it's a little bit smaller. But Robert Eager's version is, is actually quite vanilla compared to Ibn Fadlan, the original account. Mm -hmm. Uh, so if you thought that part was hard to watch, Ibn Fadlan's, uh, telling of what actually, of what happened on the Volga is a bit difficult to swallow. Um, mm -hmm. it's a bit more, it's a bit harder. It's a bit more, much less vanilla. <laughs> so, I mean, but his, but his depiction is good. I think. How, how accurate do you think Ibn Fadlan's version is? Do you think I'm, it's, do, do you think he's? He's kind of playing into the 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 kind of like savage pagan thing no. and making it and making it worse. Or do you think that is what he saw and it's a fairly accurate account of, of the I events? Think, I think it's I think it's what he saw to the best of his ability to describe it. And most researchers think that it's what he saw. Um, right. um nothing that he described is outlandish. I mean, we we have we have archaeology proving essentially every aspect of what he witnessed from from young people being from a human sacrifice to young people being buried with old people um to obviously the massive amounts of animal sacrifice uh i, I mean there is no he, he didn't have a horse in the race he, he wasn't there to convert people um he he, he didn't he didn't there's no reason for him to really lie but okay. we're not really going based on his reason to lie it's 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 the way he describes things it's a we have found pretty good evidence to support um we haven't found that burial but we have found uh burials that are very it, it, everything he describes makes sense within what we know about uh pre-christian scandinavia but he's also very careful in his descriptions he he doesn't for example they sacrifice a slave girl and and he doesn't he doesn't just he he says things like she drinks uh she drinks from a goblet i do not know what it is and then he describes that she seems to be intoxicated she's acting so he's describing he's not saying and then they poured foul heathen sorcery down her throat in the name of their terrible gods the way there's so many uh uh so many Christian authors from that time described them. So it's not very elaborate in an exaggerated way. There's not really a reason to doubt it. No, I think we just don't like what we're reading because it's tough to swallow, but people do worse today and mm -hmm. people do worse in the Christian world. Um, the people, and we got to remember in a world like that, people were much more desensitized to death. So I don't think what he saw was very was was very outlandish given the time mm -hmm. so 
Um, yeah, no, I think that I think that's fair. Um, because I think people forget this only recently that we've become so desensitized from death. Yeah. You know, you only have to go back to the Victorian times, particularly in England. You know, you would have, um, you know, butchery in the street. Yeah. And you would see it wouldn't be uncommon. You'd, you know, you'd see you see blood and gore and, and whatever, whether it, maybe it might not be human, but it's, you know, it's animal. It's there. You, you see it, you know where things come from. Yeah. And it's only kind of now that we kind of get things in these nice little plastic packages so far removed from what they actually are. Yeah. Um, yeah. That we've become kind of softened to that. Yeah. And I mean, I mean, I, I, of course I, I wouldn't condone the sacrificing of, of, of anybody to join their master. <laughs> I like the way you, you, how you feel the need to, uh, uh, I don't think doing it, but I also recognize <laughs> it because it's, it's people in a, a very different time with a very different worldview because their, their relationship with death was so different. Their relationship with what happens when you die and, and stuff. So I, it was quite different. And, and like, I really liked in Robert Eager's version. I mean, what he does depict it does go along with the description. It, it makes sense. It all makes sense. Um, from the chopping the horse's head off to the stabbing of the slave to the, I really liked how uh, she was being lifted over what looks like a door panel because that's actually described. Um, okay. they, keep, they keep lifting her up over, she like peers over a door panel and says, I see paradise and my master calls to me and stuff like that. And it, it was very well done, I think. Mm-hmm. So, no. yeah, I, th- I, th- I think it was. I, th- I, th- I think the whole movie is. And like I say, you have to respect the depth and the, and the detail he's gone into. Um, whether you like the film or not, I think if, you, if you're interested in, in this, this stuff, this whole world, this, this, whatever you want to call it, community, I think you have to respect the fact that he's done his absolute best to try and honor it, but also tell his story at the end of the day. It is, it is a fiction, fictional story. He's telling his story, but he, he really has tried to honor everything. And, and, and yeah, you've got to, I he can't, I can't complain at that. I really no, can't. I, no. And I think that the, I mean, because uh, I mean, I, it, it's a dark story. It's meant to be a dark story. It's not uh, well, Thankfully, it's not on the History Channel because then it would be worse. But uh, it's not its not an attempt to depict historical accuracy. He, he's not trying to show the life of people in that period. He's trying to tell a story, a very dark story. But that story he wanted, I, very clearly it seems, he wanted that story to be rooted in the world that, that as we know it, that it came from. And I think he did that. Um, so back to the Gotham. <laughs> it's dark, but it's it's still based on something. Um, and if he had, if it wasn't dark, it would have been I don't know, it would have been a flop. I think. Yeah. Um, no, I, I I like I say I, I I can't praise that side of it enough. I I, I mean I yeah I love the movie, but I think the the fact that you say he so many people could just. They could just tell a story and not care, and tell you know make a make a movie, make a good film, and you you know you don't have to care that much. But no. they they very clearly is mm. this this want to mm. do justice and do right, mm. 
mm. by the history. And that I, I find very commendable. Yeah. And I think that is what needs to be respected. And I wish more people did that and really kind of were willing to, because it, it can't be cheap either. It can't oh. be cheap to, 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 to do that, to hire the experts, to, to get the authentic kind of the, the material. We had Valhalla Silver on um, a, a couple of weeks ago talking about how it was like 300 pound a meter for some of the, the fabric, you know, so, so there's, there's been money spent to make it as, mm. as close as possible. And you don't have to do that. And the fact that he wants to do that is, like I say, it's commendable. I, I think it, I, I enjoy it and I, and I like that and I, and I praise that. And yeah, yeah. I think, I think a, a, a good way to think about it is, is because it, it's not, I have said, uh, I'm not really into talking about whether or not it's historically accurate. I'm more into talking about whether or not it is authentic if it's an authentic reception of what we have to create something. And a good way to explain that is, for example, uh, we'll take the soundtrack, for example. Viking Age music did not, was probably not, this is cinematic, you know, music. The soundtrack is a lot of very, like what we, all that throat singing, which has become so popular because it's cool sounding. Um, but if you will take, take, uh, Viking reenact uh, a person who is a researcher of music and they're trying to make music as close as we think it may have been in the Viking age. Um, and then you take, say, for example, Vardruna. Um, Vardruna does not sound like what Viking age music sounded like. I think most people that hear what we think Viking age music sounded like would find it rather boring. But the Vardruna is quite because Einar knows what he's doing, uh, is quite an authentic reception and recreate uh, creating something new that it has roots in the source material. Mm -hmm. And I think that that if we had a historically accurate depiction of the Viking Age, it would be boring. Uh, we want something larger and we want something mythological and we you know and that's what this is so it's an authentic reception not a historical accuracy although there is a lot of accuracy in it i mean the costumes uh the, the a lot of it is it's super cool mm -hmm. i have a question right, for you oh go on go on oh, got, what did you what did you, what some, did you think I was, uh, I've got some. I've got, we've got some questions from people watching, but you you ask uh, me your question first. Ah, uh, what did you think of the ball game? Shall we? Shall we uh, bring it? Shall we revive? Actually, I think it is revive. What did you think of it? <laughs> ball game. Um, I liked it. I like it because I think that I think that that, that that would have existed. I think that I, I. This is me going from like, I have no idea. I have no idea if that's accurate or not. I. I do not know, but I think there's something like that would have existed. I think that like ball games and, and this idea of of kind of like male masculinity pitting against each other, not in a in like a war setting, but it's still there. I think that would have existed. Um, so I liked it. I enjoyed it. What about you? I I I think that uh, well, I I, have, I think it should be uh, reintroduced. Um, Are we bringing it back? I think I well well that version isn't uh, we we don't the version that was depicted maybe not maybe not quite like that 
Ah, uh, well, the 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 we don't know what what the game what the I forgot what it was called Knoppleket or something like that. But uh, the description of uh, ball games in the sagas, we don't have enough information to know if it was played like this. It probably wasn't. The version that we have looks like it's a combination of lacrosse and uh, rugby. Mm-hmm. But it was so cool that I think we should insert it at Viking festivals and yes, we should and and uh, not take responsibility for all the brutal injuries that. Uh, <laughs> yeah make sure they have insurance yeah 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 big insurance (laughs) oh it would be good fun though and it'd be better than fucking gleamer i mean if we yeah 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 (laughs) um it would be way better uh and i think that um i mean you could have they there i have looked it up and I, i guess they do play a version of this at different viking festivals um without as much brutality so it it probably is quite fun so um uh i would play it just uh maybe not with the free for all smashing each other in the face with uh with <laughs> yeah Oka. it is <laughs> a bit brutal it is yeah. a bit brutal yeah. all right man let's let's we let's I mean, fuck we've been going like an hour well an hour and a half now let's let's do some questions and then yeah let's get out of here um so alicia wants to know she's um I apologize. Alyssa wants to know, uh, were there trees in Iceland at the time or <laughs> is it a myth that there weren't? There were, uh, but it, it wasn't, people seem to either think that it was either the barren wasteland it is today, or it was like Norway full of huge forests. And, uh, we think it was mostly birch forests. Like what there are parts of Iceland today that um, have these kind of shrubby birch forests. Uh, if you go to Eilstadir, uh, there's uh, up in the northeast, uh, there's a forested area there. And most of Iceland or much of Iceland would have been forested like that, not big trees. Um, but there were there were parts with big trees. But there was also, if you ever have ever been to Iceland, it has a bit of a diverse landscape. I mean, there's desert, and there was desert, mm-hmm. and there are vast empty spaces, and there were vast empty spaces, but there were also forests. Um, and there's forests today. We're try- they're trying really hard to re- to plant forests. They're just small and cute compared to everywhere else. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um... So Jonas wants to know, should we, um, hang on, let me, so should we talk about the historical accuracy or the mythical accuracy? Which I think is a good point because there is a, there is a difference to be had. I, uh, um, I don't believe in myth, mythical accuracy because myths myths are always changing. Myths are are myths were always changing, and the myths that we have are just a couple versions that would have been countless versions of those. Which is why Robert Eager's version is perfectly fine. You don't need to have one canon version of a story. Mm-hmm. That's not how mythology or legend works. Um, that's why you can have 30 different versions of Batman. Particularly, I think particularly oral, oral yeah. traditions as well. Ones that 
told because you know we've said this time and time again on the podcast i think that depending on where you are and what time you're in these yeah. things change people forget yeah. little details yeah. I mean, we've all played the the game i mean telephone. in the uk yeah telephone in the uk used to be called chinese whispers which i i don't <laughs> think you can call it that anymore um <laughs> i'm sure that's but when i was a kid that's what it was called um <laughs> so tell yeah telephone um yeah we've all played that and, it, and that's that that happens, you know, if you've got 10 people in the line, that fucking happens. So if you've got people 100 years apart, of yeah. course that's going to happen. And in yeah. different geographical locations, it's yeah. going to be differently to suit kind of your surroundings as well. Yeah, yeah. And myth myth is true if it contains social, if it contains truths for the people. I mean, a lot of these myths, uh, well, the ones that we have, uh, much of them they're related to rituals uh, they're not just sitting around a story and telling a fire they they have they they tell how to perform ritual and and they're a part of how you relate to the world around you they're not they're not some canon biblical tale so so it's very hard to talk about what is mythical truth and what is historical truth that's why i just like the word authenticity like is it an authentic reception i mean we've got because here's another good example that I'll use to try and describe what I'm thinking about. Like historical accuracy, I've said, is like an onion. Um, because researchers, you have to peel away the layers of what we think we know and what is theory, even among researchers. And what you end up with is uh, like you go to an archaeological site and you just have spears laying there and you have post holes and you have elements of stuff. And the historical accuracy is the description of, oh yeah, we got 150 spears here and parts of a bone here. And, and then the archeologists and the researchers start getting creative and they start saying, well, we think because of all this and they start weaving together a scenario. That's what Neil Price does. That's what researchers do. We're, we're making shit up. To, we're not just making it up, but it it's, it's uh, it, our historical accuracy is our interpretations of the past. We can't get at historical accuracy without becoming just a sterile laboratory. Perfect. Right. Let's let me see if there's, I think there's one more. Let's scroll all the way back up. Only one. I think there's only one more. We've been going a while though, you know? Yeah. We've been going for a hot minute. Um, I'm really good at ranting. I'm like the angrier version of Matthias. Yeah, you do well. There we go. Uh, I was going to say, Lisa asked again, who let the dogs in? But I'm guessing that's relating back to the... <laughs> I don't know why Shannon's put that. That's relating back to the uh, the wolf scene of them sipping from the... <laughs> in the in the temple. Um, I love that scene. I know. I know you do. I think maybe when I rewatch it, I might I might change my mind on it. So um, so even if the scene was a bit corner, I like the shields were used as an offensive weapon. So that's not, that's not really a question. It's a statement. But again, that <laughs> I don't... Shan put these in here. Don't blame me for this. Um, so yeah, no, again, but that kind of goes back to... Um, oh, I've forgotten the gentleman's name. Fuck. Rolf Waring. So we had Rob yeah. wearing on the on the on the other week who told us about shields and how they were probably used offensively 
yeah. um, towards the kenning for them being called murder wheels. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, so I, I think that's interesting, and I, I, I do like that touch that that they used as probably more accurately than a defensive thing. Yeah, but I one of my other criticisms is of actually the fighting scenes. I, I thought. Okay. That, there we go. Let's see this. Well. I mean, we'll take for example when the, the berserkers are, uh, or when Alexander, when his, when they're raiding the village, and he's just like strutting around, huh, killing a guy, strutting to the next guy. Huh. It was, come on, nobody fought that way, and, <laughs> and it, it's it was ridiculous to watch. Uh, I didn't like it. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, and then. Uh, um, and not, I didn't. I didn't dislike it because it wasn't historically accurate. I didn't like it because it just looked dumb to watch this guy trudging around. Hack, trudge, trudge, hack. Um, yeah, the fighting. I'm not an expert on Viking Age fighting techniques, so I, I also don't really care overtly. But I have a feeling experts of fighting techniques were rolling their eyes a lot during that during the fighting scenes. <laughs> but I I'm, I wanted over-the-top fighting, like crazy fighting, Hollywood-esque fighting, like like The Witcher. The Witcher, I have a lot of criticisms of The Witcher, but their fighting scenes are great. <laughs> yeah. There we go. Let's let's, let's wrap this up. Um, yeah, it's been, it's been a lot of fun. I think we've we spoiled the movie for sure. <laughs> um, but... No, I've I've learned a lot, and you've definitely made me see things from a from a different side of things. Um, and I think that I find it so interesting that you didn't pick up on everything first time round, and that that, that I have kind ADHD. Of, but I think, but I think that screams to to the level of detail that's gone into mm-hmm. it, because if it was just kind of minimal level, you'd probably pick up on. 99% of things because it's just these one things but because it's so much yeah. I think that that that's a, that kind of surprises me one more super cool thing and I'll just sum it up really quick when he meets that vulva that when he meets the bearded guy in the cave that scene is so awesome uh you'll notice that guy in the cave he's got the head of uh the the William DeVoe's character he's got William DeVoe's head He's wearing a dress. He's wearing a dress and he gives birth to the head (laughs) in a save, shamanic save ceremony. And then he goes into a trance, but he gives like ritual birth to this severed head. And then the spirit of the head goes into it and he talks with with the head, with uh, the voice of the, the corpse. That scene was awesome. And it was even though it was very dark, uh, it was really rooted in what we know of Seder and what we know of shamanism. And so it, it, it's, it's really dark, but it also makes sense. Mm-hmm. And that's what's so cool. Uh, so, yeah, I, I mean, there are layers to this, to this movie that that's why it was such a blast to watch. And you can um, watch it more than once. Yeah, you know, yeah. It, it, it's a it's it's one that you can rewatch, and I like that. I wonder what Matthias thinks. Oh, we need to. We're gonna have to ask him. He's gonna try and be different and go. You sucked. It was so historically inaccurate. 
What Josh <laughs> said was it was actually wrong. This part was actually he's gonna really nitpick it. Just maybe, <laughs> maybe, but you know he's he's always gonna be him. I can't wait to get him back. I actually felt bad recording without him because this is the first time like we've done one without him. Um, so yeah, you 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 can take credit for that. 114 episodes in, we've done them all together. Um, and I actually messaged him. I'm like, man, I I feel like I feel bad. I feel all like, it feels weird, but um, you know, thing things happen. Like and you're he'll having be... a dirty, filthy affair with him, with me <laughs> on him. You're, you're my day, <laughs> my day weekend away. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> but you know, he'll he'll be back next week. You know, unfortunately, these things these things happen, but we have to keep trying. You know, be consistent and, and get things out every week. Um, just to reiterate what I said at the start, you know, I we appreciate everybody that listens every week, who subscribes on on YouTube, who follows us on on Instagram, on Facebook, and again, everybody who, who follows us on Patreon that that means the world to us because it helps us keep growing the show and and put more money in and, and kind of help just help make it better and, and yeah. invest back in. You know, we don't ever take any money out of it personally everything gets invested back into into this and, and trying to make something um bigger so we we do appreciate you know the, the people come along and we've we've maybe been a little off lately because we just haven't been able to find that rhythm things have been going on um but we're going to get it back and we're going to kind of get back to that a nice routine that we had so just thank you for for sticking with us i think is the is the sentiment behind that yeah, I, I mean, I, I really love what you guys do. So uh, because uh, and many people have already said this, there's it's so hard to find good material and good things that people can listen to that are interested in this sort of stuff. And and you guys have the it's just a, it's, it's a great podcast. It's a great way of getting people who don't know to the material to learn more, but it's also accessible and fun, entertaining. Um, so I, I love it when I get to be on here. So uh you're welcome back anytime to it. So anytime when you when your when your next project um comes out, you'll you'll be back. I think people will love this. You know, it's been a it's been fun. I've enjoyed the I've enjoyed the conversation. You've been a you've been a worthy co-host. Good, good. <laughs> All right, let people know where they can find you, follow, follow you, follow your music, everything, whatever, yeah, whatever you, you can, want to shout out. I mean, you can follow me on Instagram or Facebook. I'm sure they're gonna link my my Instagram and my Facebook. Uh, you can also follow my band Nexion, but it's black metal. It's not really Nordic. And of course, check out Nabala, which is Jonas's project, but I'm contributing to it and a part of it. Uh, mm. And uh, yeah, follow me on Instagram to keep up with the the ensuing announcements. There we go. So. Yeah, go go follow Josh. And again, to get again to shout out Jonas. You know. He he helps us out week in, week out. Um, comes on, does the story time, you know. So so yeah, go and go and follow whatever Jonas does and his and Nabala and you know the music, everything. Um, yeah, I, I've got a lot of time for for Jonas and, and you know the time he helps us helps us create this. So yeah, um, thank you to you, Josh. Thank mm-hmm. you to everybody who follows. If you if you enjoy the show, please. Uh, take a minute to leave us a five-star rating and a positive review on wherever you listen to this. It, you you may think it means nothing, but it helps 
always kind of bump up the charts. And also it makes me smile when we get a positive one. I read them and, you know, it makes me happy. Um, subscribe to the YouTube. If you can, please consider popping over onto Patreon, Nordic Mythology Podcast. Um, and you get a bonus episode every week. So like I say, it's either a Q&A with Matthias or question, a story time with, with Jonas. I think it works out as maybe 12, 15 pence a day or something like that. So it, it's really worth it. You get the whole back catalogue and it helps us, helps us grow. So yeah, thank you very much. Thank you, Josh. Thank you for everyone for, again, for sticking with us and we'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.